You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Some of us work nine to fives. Some of us are contracted workers. Some of us get to live in the sewers of New York and eat pizza and practice ninjutsu all day. Those are the luckiest of, them all, of us all. And today on Systematic Ecology, we're going to talk about the luckiest of us, of us all, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in their classic early 90s film. I am really excited for this. This was one of my favorite movies of my childhood. And I'm ready to get into this. And for today, I'm joined here today by Joe. Of course, we are the dynamic duo of SG. Don't let Josh and TJ tell you otherwise. Go on, go on Systematic Ecology's Twitter and let them know that we are the hosts that you like the most. And also, you should go on patreon.com slash systematic ecology and subscribe to one of our tiers. All right, got the thing out of the way. Let's do this episode. I'm Brandon Knight. I'm one of your hosts for today's episode. I am a seminary student. And recently, I've had a little bit more free time in my life, and I have been clocking so many hours on Zelda Breath of the Wild. It is, it's so beautiful. The music is great. And it's just so expansive. And I, I I, have to fight this internal urge because I'm one of those guys who has to go do the thing. You tell me, go do this thing. I'm going to just go straight to that thing and accomplish that task. But that's not the point. The point of the game isn't to beat Ganon. That's not the point. The point is to explore. That is the point. And it's been so good to kind of break character a little bit to play that game. I am Joe. I am a uh, marketer and podcaster and broadcaster. And uh, recently, I have finally been going through um, The Witcher. After a while of people telling me I need to watch it. Um, And it's certainly been interesting. Be on the lookout for an episode on that. Let's get into that show. Henry Cavill ripped as all get out for that thing i haven't seen that much of it so today we're going to be talking about a movie i like but let's just let's just break character here for a second let's break fourth wall day one joe can we do teenage mutant ninja turtles day two (laughs) teenage mutant ninja turtles day whatever we're on please just let me do teenage mutant ninja turtles all right we get it you got your horror movie I got my wrestling. So here we are. You get you get your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So just gush. Go ahead. Gush. So so low key guys, if if you don't if you don't know anything else about me, you guys should know I am a 90s kid. And low key, I've been pushing for 90s content since I joined the team last year. So um growing up, it was kind of a it, it was emblematic of which generation you were a part of. Generally speaking, you were either a Power Rangers fan or you're a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. Generally speaking, there wasn't a lot of crossover at that particular time. That's why when they actually when their live a, when the live action show and that that time period's iteration of the Power Rangers did crossover, it was such a big thing. Um, but this is a movie that was a part of my childhood growing up 
And I just, yeah, yeah, I look back on it with, you know, it's funny how the, how the certain things have aged and different things like that. But it, to me, it still stands out as one of those movies that feels lived in. It is just from, from the jump, it, this feels like a world that has been thought out kind of in vain of if you heard any of our episodes on um batman i'm talking about the other character in the room gotham city it's that same deal right everybody if you know anything about T- about the turtles it's that they love you e- to eat pizza and they live in the sewers of new york city so when you're doing new york city you know like you, you have to make it, make it feel like at that particular time, that was New York at that particular time. And that is exactly, mm-hmm. that feels like New York city in all of its grunginess and all of its disgustingness in all of its, you know, neo rockness that felt like uh, New York city in 19, in 1990. And so this, this movie, I have very early, um, memories of watching through these movies pretty close to when they came out. I mean, we're talking, I was young by this point, so I wouldn't necessarily like, it wasn't like I was, you know, out in theaters or whatever. I'm like I said, a nineties kid, not an eighties kid. Um, but I, I, they were definitely part of my life growing up for sure. I fall into a weird like subgroup here with this era of nineties content, because I'm the tail end of the millennials. So I remember watching these as a kid, we had this first movie on VHS. I've seen the other ones when Kevin Nash is playing uh shredder, shredder. but super shredder, super shredder. Correct. You're right. Um, but not a, not an eighties kid. So I've only seen like a handful of those original cartoons and I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers. So I was I was more of a Cartoon Network kid, even more than Nickelodeon. I was more of a Cartoon Network kid. My childhood was Batman the Animated Series, Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, Batman Beyond, uh, eventually getting into the early 2000, 2000s with the original Teen Titans cartoon. So that kind of run, that kind of era of Animaniacs, although they... They may have also been on Nickelodeon at one point too. Um, they were. So that is a little bit more of my familiarity. But the Ninja Turtles, there is a group of cartoons from that like late 80s, early 90s era that I have been trying to get back into. Talked about on another episode getting more into He-Man because it's just things are blowing up all the time. It's fun. It's it's weird, you know, or looking at I just watched all of the original X-Men animated series from the 90s. So the Ninja Turtles are one that's in this group of. Educate me, why should I love these characters so much as a martial artist? I appreciate these characters a lot. I almost like this more than Power Rangers from a martial artist standpoint. But yes. So for those of you that don't know, one of the things that Brandon and I, you know, that's it's it's one of the the worst kept secret in the in the SG community is that 
you know, we don't talk about it a lot, but oftentimes if you see one of us, you see both of us on the air. True. And one of the things that we have in common is the fact that we are both martial artists. Mm. And so that's interesting to me outside of sp- specifically people who practiced things like ninjutsu and, and things mm. like that, like those kinds of very specific martial artists. I don't normally hear from people that they prefer TMNT just by virtue of the fact that it's blockier. Like by blockier, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about turtles fighting generally like one people that look like robots with all of their sure. armor and things like that. And so it's just like a lot of like heavy blow. I'm putting all of me behind this shot sort of thing. Whereas with Power Rangers, there's a bit more of a fluidity to sure. the karate aspect of it. Like almost feels like what ninjutsu should look like when mm-hmm. actually practiced out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I missed a lot of the boat when it came to Power Rangers. By the time my right. brothers showed up, Power Rangers were fine and you could watch Power Rangers. I couldn't. Um, so I have a little bit. I had a little bit more exposure to the Ninja Turtle. So maybe that's where it comes from. I did right. practice. I did practice Nimpo Taijutsu for a while. So I do have some ninja training in my arsenal. Um, nice. But yeah, a little bit of martial art talk here. So. What is it about this one specifically, this movie now, that is so iconic for you? So I will go ahead and address the elephant in the room whenever I talk about these kinds of things. If there is, there you cannot nostalgia is a drug, guys. Like you know what I mean. It, it is mm-hmm. what it is. There's a lot of nostalgia baked into all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so we talked about the scenery, right? Let's talk about the um the aesthetic of the characters of the actual um people and the turtles so when you're talking about early 90s to mid 90s uh cartoon or video game based ip you're talking about things like super mario brothers you're talking about things like mortal kombat which mortal kombat is its own conversation for me that is a soft spot that's (laughs) how i have a lot of love for mortal kombat understanding fully well aware of what those movies are and what they are really are not (laughs) but so so to this this sits in a, a a gem in and of itself because if you like the cartoon then this is probably as close as we've ever gotten to an on-screen adaptation of the the 80s cartoon. Okay. And this is fun facts. So um, the the uh, puppets, the, the actual turtles, were created by Jim Henson Studios. Yes, that Jim Henson. And fun facts, that was actually his last film that he was ever associated with because he died about a month and a half after the the movie came out and so um they and it's kind of funny they they so right before the year literally the year before this batman 89 as we refer Mm -hmm. to it as came out we refer to it as that because it came out in 1989 and so the this movie had uh about a quarter of the budget that batman 89 did 
and they were told go out and make a make a masterpiece off of this off of this little bit of, you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and so basically got they spent most of their budget on hiring jim henson and because they they wanted to start with the turtles everything else can mm-hmm. kind of be built on the idea mm-hmm. is the turtles and the Puppets are one of the things about that movie that still stands up to this day. It's live yes. action puppets, so it is what it is. It's a live action puppet. You need to be understanding of the fact that that is what you're getting. But mm-hmm. once you move past that point, it's probably the best depiction of that that I've ever seen as far as, far as that goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and honestly, aesthetically speaking, yeah, it's a puppet, but I would much rather have that than those films that came out more recently that have Megan Fox in it. Yeah. And it's CGI. They no, thank you. I I haven't even seen those movies. Maybe they're great. I don't know, but I was visually turned off by how the turtles look in that movie. So I, I didn't bother, but with this, with these original ones, especially this first movie, they're puppets and that's fine. Sometimes like the more homemade stuff and maybe this is nostalgia talking because we're kind of leaning into it here. I like that homemade stuff. I would rather have puppet Yoda on Dagobah than the flip flip flipping uh, Yoda in Star Wars Episode 2 or I would rather have the original orc makeup and design for the first three Lord of the Rings films than the CGI orcs in Hobbit. Like there's something about that more homemade stuff that just, it works so much better. So I'm going to rapid fire a couple of examples. Even if you don't realize, you know, this, you probably know this. Does the name Tom Savini mean anything to you? I've heard of this name. Yes. Okay. So Tom Savini is probably the most iconic horror effects guy that there is. Okay. Um, Making practical effects for you name it. He's had his hands, his hands on it from a practical effects standpoint. And he, there's a reason why all of those effects still last today because they're practical. There's, Mm. there's a psychological, there's psychological proof that the eye sees CGI knows it's fake and is repulsed by it. And I I literally saw half of the, um, those, that era of TMNT movies that you're talking Mm -hmm. about with Megan Fox. And I saw half of the first one and I'm like, nope, this not hashtag, not my turtles. Like this was (laughs) of the generation that my nephew was super into those movies when they came out. And so that that was cool to see that this that these characters were still getting a chance to live on in some form or fashion mm-hmm. but as far as like what i grew up on that was a huge downgrade to me if i'm being honest okay. and and as far as all of these different examples throughout these different versions if it's high fantasy if it's horror if it's the these kinds of action movies and things like that we can all point to a time where things were done practically and they lasted and then Mm -hmm. things were done from a cgi standpoint and they are way more they don't age well and people are generally are more critical of them i'll be the first one to admit i grew up on the original three and for a long time the original three star wars that those that was it for me and Mm -hmm. and 
the the prequels came out and Yoda's flipping around and doing all kinds of nonsense. Um, no, miss me. I thought all of that was unnecessary. I understand why they did it, but it looked like garbage on a hot summer day. I'm not a fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, sure. That's not who Yoda is. And so, but that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. that, that I think is probably one of the best secret weapons that this movie has is the practical effects. Before you get to April O'Neill, April O'Neill, before you get to Casey Jones, before you get to Shredder in the Foot Clan and Splinter and all of these characters, before you even get there, there's this, this aesthetic point that welcomes you in because there's something intriguing to being able to see something that looks like a snapshot from a bygone era. And mm -hmm. it does make me feel a little old understanding that the, probably the largest majority of people listening right now were not born when this movie came out. Um, my co-host for, uh, for, for this episode was not born when these movies came out. You um, said 90, right? 90 was when the first yeah. one came out. Yep, 94. They came out, so. Fun fun facts, they came out. Oh, dude, you weren't born, you weren't alive for any of them. Uh, <laughs> they, they came out in in one year successions from one another. The first okay. one was a smash success success. They said one year later, have this one out. One year later, have the next one out. Um, they definitely went down in quality, but they still hold a special place in my heart. Um but yeah, I, so so I think before you get anywhere or before you go anywhere else, that's what brings like if if you're looking at, you know, why why would I watch this old movie? Why would I watch this when I have all of these newer versions of it? Because it's a snapshot mm -hmm. into 1990 New York City. And there's a practical effect standpoint of it that is so immersive that it's very easy to get lost in, in the suspension of disbelief. I totally agree with that. And, you know, also going off of that, what you were talking about with the budget, how they spent the bulk of that on Jim Henson. That doesn't surprise me again, looking at this from a martial arts standpoint, stuntmen have a very important job. It's not easy <sighs> being a stuntman or woman. Yeah. But stunt workers are cheap. You're not going to blow the budget on. That's always the advantage when it comes to martial art films is that you're not really going to blow the budget when it comes to the people in the film. Yes, there are Jackie Chan's and Jet Li's and Tony Jaa and Donnie Yen. Like you've got these other people out there who are made who, you know, they've made a name for themselves. But when you're talking about the the cast and all the other just players in the film. Just go to a dojo and rent everybody hire everybody out for the day every martial artist is trained to take a fall to take a bump to throw a punch to throw a kick like it makes perfect sense to say all right if we're making a ninja turtles film we gotta we gotta nail the ninja turtles first yeah and and being being a a, a broke fighter in a gym I could be the I'll be the first one to tell you that, you know, generally speaking, trying to get paid for your craft is very difficult and involves getting punched in the face more often than is probably healthy. And so if yes. somebody's coming through and saying, hey, you want to make 50 bucks for the day? 
just getting on screen, getting on screen and, and rolling around or throwing some kicks or throwing some punches and doing some things and all of that kind of stuff. I promise you entire dojos worth of fighters will jump at that. You know what I mean? Sure. You will have, you will have be packed to the rafters with volunteers, man. For most of them, you could probably give them 20 bucks and pizza and they'll do it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Just being yeah, honest. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, it's a good it's it's a it's a good note to make because when you're watching this from a martial arts standpoint those are things that you are going to notice. I don't know how much of you guys listening are fighters, but that is something to note that if, you know, if if you are coming from it with those kinds of eyes. For sure. So I don't have too much to say. It's been a bit since I've seen this movie. So just talking about turtles in general, I got to say, Casey Jones is aesthetically one of the coolest characters out there. I freaking love Casey Jones. And if anything, he's like the antithesis to Jason with the hockey mask thing. He's like, you want to be a bad guy with a hockey mask? I'm going to put on a hockey mask and be the good guy. It's He's such an interesting character to me. So, but you, you tell us. Where where do you want this conversation to go on the Ninja Turtles? You want to talk about Casey Jones? We could talk about Casey Jones. <laughs> um, so I, for me, um, part of part of what um, part of what I bring to this conversation is I grew up in a household where um. I was I was the 90s kid, my sister was the 80s kid. My my sister is almost 10 years older than me. And so she was a part of that generation. And so I had an opportunity to be exposed to a lot of the um the the 80s era things. And so I I thoroughly enjoyed the the cartoon and I okay. was one of those I was one of those in-betweens where I loved all of the content, Power Rangers, TMNT, all of it. And so to me, the, the, one of the biggest things that I appreciated about this is there was that each one of these turtles had their character traits that they had in the, in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen the cartoon and never seen the movie, at least the first one, is pretty much as close as you're going to get to the on-screen adaptation of the of the cartoon, and and you know if you if you've seen the movie but haven't seen the cartoon, then I would definitely suggest the cartoon. Absolutely, um, and, and so for me, I don't think it. I especially sitting in in my modern day perspective, being a student of geek history, I would be the first one to admit. Uh, Pastor Will might have me beat for the simple fact of his years and what he in and being beat in the in the very specific things that he likes and things like that. But I would go as far as to say that I am one of the biggest historians of geek culture out of out of the team. And okay. to me, I think I think it's important to note that this cut it, it's the fact that this movie was allowed to have personality. And allowed to be the turtles, mm-hmm. like for for everything that they are, for everything that they're not, for everything that they're cheesy, for everything that they're campy, for all of it. 
for the good, the bad, the stakes of it all, all of that kind of stuff. Because it's worth noting that the 80s cartoon is, oh, there's stakes. There are some Darkest Timeline episodes of that show that mm-hmm. get real intense, real quick. It was an it was a different time, and they did not play by modern day rules as far as what was acceptable to put on a kid's cartoon. Let's Ooh. we'll just put it there. And so there for for that being the archetype, the predecessor, if you will, to this movie, and this being a time where this kind of thing wasn't necessarily taken seriously. For this to be a love letter to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans in the best possible way, it, it, it's it has to be there. It, it has to be stated, and it, it, it can't be minimalized because that's just mm-hmm. simply. I would argue, and some people would even argue with me about this, but I would say that the next closest thing that we get as far as an on-screen love letter adaptation is Mortal Kombat in '95. I was around for that one. Yep. Mortal Kombat 95 is exactly is exactly what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Being a I video agree. game film. I've also seen the Street Fighter film with Jean-Claude Van Damme and uh love JCVD man. Um he and it it's got too much plot. Simply yeah. put, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, Tekken, all of those games it's just people fighting. Yeah, it's beat them up. That's other. it. Doesn't need to be anything more than that. We need a reason for everybody to start fighting. But once the fighting starts, that's all. You, that's all. Basically, all, all the storyline you need. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. that's about that's all it. you need. So, of all the various Ninja Turtle adaptions that have come since, does anything really capture that original spirit? If you haven't seen the most newest Nickelodeon version, that's fine. But is there anything that really gets at that original tone for the turtles or is it really just this initial film? So there is a, um, there is a series that came out in the, I want to say mid two thousands that, it was an, it was a cartoon. Um, I think it was produced by Nickelodeon before TMNT, Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah, became super sterile. That was honestly the the next closest adaptation for me. Um, I, I because of being a huge fan of um, TMNT as as a whole, that was. Enough that, you know, yes, I was outside of that realm, but I just because I was outside of the key demographic doesn't mean that I wasn't still a nerd. And so I saw a new (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show out there. And so I went with it, especially because the last one before that was the live action nonsense with and the very reason why um, for a long time you didn't see any female turtles because they really, really messed that one up. Um, so after that, you have this, this cartoon and it's the, it's the next one after 87 that allows there to be stakes, allows there to, allows for it to get dark because you think the 80s cartoon got dark? Ask anybody who's a comic historian on the team, on on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, ask them what kind of rating they give it. It's mature audiences, 100%, Mm -hmm. because we're not talking about the big two. We're talking about, Mm -hmm. um, 
IDW, we're talking about houses, comic houses that are not known for their family-friendly product a lot of the time. Right, because didn't it start at Image? Image, yes. Did it start at Image? It started at Image and as a comic book series. And I, those books are hard to get, first off. I've tried to get them. Those yeah. books are hard to get. Um, the art is That's amazing. I love the art. Well, what? That's an investment of to oh, to yes. try and track those down and all of that. But like you said, the art is so second to none on the like it's they're just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just from the art alone, you can tell this isn't for children. Like there, right. there's going to be stakes. There's going to be, you know, not simple resolves to these to these stories. I I'm gonna be straight up honest with you, Joe. I have no idea what you're talking about a live action show. I have no idea. Apparently, this is so bad that my very nerdy, geeky, culture saturated brain. This is so bad. I have no idea what you're talking about. There was a live action show at one point. Okay, so in the early 2000s, when Saturday morning cartoons were the thing. Um. Well, when they were starting, when when they were That's really at the. Right. That was more of a it was more of a an exit because everybody and their mother was trying to over monetize it um, to the nth degree. And, and it was basically, you know, the bubble had burst after the 90. Well, I should say the 80s and 90s of of basically being toy commercials. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? They they there were. Attempts at recreating old IP. There was a Sonic show at this time. Power okay. Rangers was um, had had gone into space, and and all yes. of that. And so they went with a live action TMNT. I want to say it came out in two thousand three. Might be wrong, um, but it was no. I think it came out in the late nineties. I think it came out in okay. 99 or 2000 okay. because 2003 was the cartoon. Um, the, okay. the, the good one that I, that I had referenced. Sure. Um, but yeah, so, th- so this was, this was an attempt to reinvigorate this IP live action turtles. The three movies did so well, blah, 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 blah. And they created Venus de Milo, the female turtle, and like it was this weird this combination of everybody against everybody because everybody's vying for Venus's love. Nobody's nobody's related, but they act as if she's a sister sometimes. Like specifically, the turtles aren't related. So for those of right, you that right. don't know, that's that's kind of heresy for an old school uh, turtle fan because they're, they're brothers. That's just one of those things. You know what I mean? Yes, they're turtles, but they're but they're all from the same, you know, uh, whatever you call a grouping of young turtles. Um, sure. They're all from the same family. And yeah. so that being a thing, that was a huge step in the wrong direction. But they didn't tell any compelling stories. It was all very cheesy. It wasn't well done. The puppets were garbage, especially in comparison to the Jim Henson version. So yeah, it's one of those, It Fox had it for... Um, I want to say it didn't even crack two seasons. Okay. Um, but that, but the, their most notable thing was that 
they crossed over with Power Rangers in space. That was what I was referring uh, to when okay. I said the the live action crossover with the Power Rangers. And they're they're evil or they're evil for a little bit, and then you know they get they they get turned back into good, and then they team up with the beat up the bad guys and yada yada yada. Um, yada, yada, yada. I feel like I think I think I've seen this female turtle. That yeah, so she had familiar. a very light blue um, head. Uh, head okay. Um, yeah. Very uh, like like a lighter version of Donatello's. Um, okay. Uh, hmm. Headpiece. I'm gonna have to go look into this. Not for long, but I'm gonna go look into this now. That's fine. That's a... okay. So, anything else you would like to say? on the Ninja Turtles before we start shifting things over to the theology of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> um, so honestly, this is one of those movies where this is more of a, of a love letter to um, this, this movie than it is like, again, a, a plot synopsis, if you will, um, because this is a movie that I could sit here and tell you, and it would, it would, if I were just to sit here and, and spit it out, it would equate to here is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story, just like with the Batman. This is the, a Batman story. Is what it is. What it really comes down to to go through beat for beat what happened in this movie, and so and, and there's such it so relies on the aesthetic portion of it that that would be what I would say to go see, you know, the turtles in all of their glory splinter and all of his rat glory, um, which for those of you that don't know, their sensei is a giant rat. Um, named the only time it, well, I shouldn't say the only time, but one of the few times in film history where a rat plays the good guy. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, and then there's, there's Casey and there's April and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And so, yeah, I, honestly, that, that would be what I would say is, is if you've, if you've seen any of the, the, the cartoon, if you've played the games, anything like that, if you've seen this iconic imagery, then this is, this is the movie that brings that to life. I agree with that. And by the way, if you're part of this key demo of 90s kids and you miss that good old Saturday morning cartoon time or just cartoons in general from your childhood, every Saturday now we have a segment on our Facebook. So make sure you're following our Facebook page where we're highlighting a different cartoon each week. Um, at the recording of this episode, we've done a Sonic the Hedgehog. We've done a G.I. Joe. It's going to be something different every week just to kind of get us all back in that old school frame of mind. Or for some of you younger listeners, you get to see what us old folks used to spend our Saturday mornings doing before they invented TikTok. Would you like to talk about the... So what's like the... Is there any theology that you can maybe pull from this movie or from the Ninja Turtles in general? I'm curious. Give me a good sermon illustration. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I think that for, for this, it comes down to identity. I think that hmm. this, that what it go, what comes on display a lot of the time is um, what makes up who you are. 
because you're talking about a rat that found five turtles and they were raised to be what they are with the names that they are given, which if, if you're unaware, each one of them is, is um, named after a Renaissance painter. And so that's, you know, so, so being able to be, being able to point to something I would have to say is, is what understanding what makes up who you are and understanding Mm -hmm. that sometimes that changes, you know what I mean? And, and that is okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that a lot, you know? Our identity, you know, ultimately is rooted in Christ. But as we go through our own character stories, as we experience life, you know, who we are does change. We change as people. And we all go through a discovery process of who we are. You know, I told recently a story from my college days in the Green Lantern episode we did not long ago. Um, Just kind of like this period of time figuring out who I am you know, who, and a lot of that, you know, obviously as Christians, we have to, of course, talk about, you know, being rooted in scripture and turning to Christ and seeing, seeing ourselves the way that God sees us, seeing us, seeing ourselves the way that other believers see us. Even I have found a lot of healing in my own mental health journey through being surrounded by people who see me in a certain way and wanting to see myself the way that they do. But also just life in general, it shapes us, it changes us. And, you know, will we become Ninja Turtles with Renaissance painter names because all of that goes together? Probably not. Some of you are very lucky and maybe you have. But we have an identity and it's changing. And I think I think it's healthy to continue to grow and change in our identity, I think. Yeah, I think that there's a layer of there. It's twofold, right? There's one A and one B. One A is having firm foundation. What is your firm foundation? All of that. Sure. But one B is I am not today who I was a year ago, who I was two years ago, things like that. And for me, you know, honestly, thinking about it, the turtles have a hard upbringing, like not a hard upbringing. Cut that out. <laughs> um, the turtles have a dark past and mm. they've gone on to be something bigger, something better than their dark past. And that to me is a, always a compelling story because I have a dark past and I've become something more. And that I think when told well is a story that translates, whether it's a person, whether it's a guy that dresses up like a bat, whether it's five mutant turtles and a mutant rat, you know what I mean? I I think that Mm. that's translatable from medium to medium. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, let's start wrapping this show up. Joe. I don't know why I'm going to ask you what your recommendation is because I I can guess what your recommendation is, but go ahead. Tell us what's your recommendation for our audience today. So I'm going to cheat and give two. Fine. If you are a fan of um, retro gaming, 
TMNT Turtles in Time is amazing. It is a it's a side scrolling beat 'em up. It's wonderful in all of its Nintendo glory, but it it's a really really cool game, especially if you're a fan of the turtles. And so um, that would be my first suggestion. And then the sec- second suggestion is probably exactly where Brendan thought I was going to go: the '80s cartoon. They f- it's a little difficult at points to find um it's one of those it's one of those things that when you talk to people about procuring older content Mm -hmm. most people will tell you that they find older content out on the high seas and because a lot of that stuff doesn't exist in organized because you're talking about a time before everything was mass produced for republication and all Mm -hmm. of those kinds of things. So the older you get, the harder you get to find these things. So, but, but if you are able to find the, um, the, the eighties cartoon of TMNT, I would definitely suggest checking it out. And I'll, I'll go to bat for Joe and say, check YouTube. Like seriously, that's where we're getting these G.I. Joe episodes, these Sonic episodes to put up on the Facebook page. It's a weird, wacky world. It's the wild, wild west there on the Internet. Sometimes they're just all there, especially if it's a Hasbro licensed item. That's it's all there. They just that's part of their marketing is that they just put everything on YouTube. There is a channel, the Hasbro one, one of the Hasbro channels on YouTube, just has the GI Joe cartoon going twenty four seven. It's a yeah. live stream of all of its goofiness. For me, this might be a little bit more niche, but again, I'm coming at this from the martial artist standpoint. There is a YouTube channel I really enjoy called Art of One Dojo. It's a uh, YouTube channel devoted to just trying to get away from the arguments of this martial art is better than the other and just appreciating the martial arts. Now the comments will tell you otherwise, but that is the intended purpose of this channel. And they have a segment called art of one cinema or something like that, where they do movies, martial art films. The guy who started this channel is a big, 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 big karate kid fan all the time doing Cobra Kai videos. But they do have an episode specifically on this Ninja Turtle, or two episodes, specifically on this Ninja Turtle film. It's a lot of fun. It's where I learned about some of this stuff Joe was talking about today, like the Jim Henson puppets and all of that. So it's a cool channel if you like martial arts, if you like martial art movies, go check it out. Sometimes they do random fun videos like what martial art would be best in a zombie apocalypse. And I'm just going to let you roll with that in your mind for the rest of the day. Joe, where can people find you if they want to hear more? Uh, you can find me on Facebook and anywhere that you find podcasts at either Buddy Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road. Um, I am live on the air six out of the seven days a week. Um, and so you'll be able to find me. You can find my show, My Seminary Life, where I talk about the stuff I'm studying in seminary right now, wherever you get your podcasts and on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. 
Thanks for listening to our nostalgia-filled 90s um, party that we've had here today. Cowabunga dudes and all that good stuff. He doesn't say cowabunga anymore, does he? He says booyah now. Yeah. Real shame. Cowabunga is so cool. We're bringing it back. Hey, uh, go to our website, systematicecology.org, and let us know what you want the catchphrases of the show to be. Should it be cowabunga? Is that how we should end every show? Rather than this way, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.